Good morning, Willow Bend Church. How are you doing? Good? Good. Hey, um, I uh, work at a church currently and have for about 10 years. Uh, and if you know anything about a vocational minister, uh, a lot like Dave, like he's sitting down for the first time in a long time, right? Uh, we don't get out much. Um, uh, every once in a while, whenever I do get the opportunity just to go to a different church and encourage the saints, right? Encourage the believers there. Uh, it's a cool reminder. So just kind of let you behind the curtain in case you never thought about this. Like there are, there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of churches meeting uh, to encourage each other and to worship Jesus uh, and then to leave this building and, and attempt to live this as best we can in community and encourage each other. Like how, how, uh, how cool, uh, as a youth pastor, how cool is that? Um, so, I mean, it's my privilege to, to be here, uh, friends with, with Dave, for about... A month and a half, two months now, and uh, man, we we kind of hit it off. We've enjoyed a lot of cool conversations, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of if I get this right, unsweet passion tea on his end, and, and, and coffee on my end, and, and my wife. So really cool opportunity to know um, your pastor and to to get an invitation to come and encourage you guys. Um, so it's it's my privilege, my pleasure, uh, man. I, I love um, the. The obligation that I have as, as a called young preacher and the opportunity, it's kind of two sides of one coin to, to preach and encourage you. So if you have your Bible, uh, we'll be in Galatians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to attempt to cover the entire book. And I say attempt, I have to finish, uh, and I'm excited to finish. I can't possibly start this and not finish it. Um, but just to kind of let you guys kind of know what, uh, you know, who I am and my family a little bit more, um, uh, we have two young boys, as, as Dave mentioned, Graham is eight, Cooper is five. I, I tell you this because you're about to see them and hear about them a lot. I use my sons constantly as sermon illustrations, and I grew up in a church that uh, the pastor paid his kids every sermon illustration that they were used for. Uh, so I'm kind of milking this thing before they get that idea in their own head. Um, so you're going to hear about them, but uh, as Dave um, invited me, he asked kind of what was on my heart, and we just did a summer camp with, with all of our students, um, and the idea was freedom. And, and Paul in Galatians talks about freedom from people-pleasing and freedom from uh, the pursuit of perfection, and he, he kind of finishes topically in that book with uh, addressing and, and teaching freedom from um, this, this unending trying to uh, be, uh, overcome sin and temptation, just the power of temptation and, and how we have freedom in Christ. Uh, for those things that we inevitably face as believers and, and some just as uh, just in all of humanity. And, and, the, and so some of it is evangelistic. You face this, Jesus and your identity in him gives you freedom. Uh, and he mentioned Colossians. You guys are studying Colossians right now. You've been in uh, a study for like seven years, I think it is, in a, a book, a study of Colossians. So this is a good break. Some of you guys are like, thank God, like there's other books of the Bible. Uh, but no, I, I really respect that about him, just verse, line by line. I know you guys do too. Um, so it, it kind of parallels what, what Paul is teaching the church at Colossus a little bit. Uh, the, the Galatian church needs to hear some of the same things, but it's, it's different as well. Um, about my wife, just a little tidbit to actually kind of get us started a little bit. Her favorite holiday is Christmas? No. Easter? No. Uh, Flag Day? No. It is 4th of July. So some of you guys aren't shocked by that, but you're probably a little surprised, right? Um, I mean, other than the fried chicken and the watermelon, and uh, maybe park time just with family and friends, Brahms, we did Brahms ice cream, we, a lot of traditions, besides the traditions, I, I don't get it, because uh, Christmas you literally get presents, like people wrap you stuff, and so I'm not sure how anything compares, but, but her favorite holiday is, is 4th of July, and similarly, uh, 
I, I think today might be a very small, again, we'll, we'll get to how it's kind of different, but it's, it, it's, it's the same in that today might be a mini celebration of, of freedom. Um, so my hope, just so you know, as we kind of go through Galatians, my hope and my prayer, and, and kind of has been and, and is as I continue to open my mouth and, and pray that God uses me this morning, I know he will. Uh, my prayer is that you will either, this is going to land differently for all of us in the room, you will either uh, celebrate your freedom in Christ, um, and for some of you that you might find freedom in Christ for, for possibly the first time, uh, and others, maybe in between, maybe you, you get it enough to celebrate it, but you don't understand it. Uh, and maybe the Lord might use me or something might make sense in, in Scripture today where you will walk out of the, this door as a mini 4th of July. No fireworks, not that I expect anyways. Uh, Chris might have something planned. But that today would, we, would, we would celebrate, possibly understand more, and, and, and maybe even find freedom in Christ for the very first time uh, for those of you. Um, we actually did something that, that included a lot of freedom and liberty in our home, and we had a shaving cream uh, end of summer fight at our family. Uh, we, we, had, we invited some friends over. Don't, don't go too much further. This is the before picture, say, so I'll let your imagination start running. Just leave that up there for a second, because this represents summer, what I'm about to show you, okay? There is, this is a season of life that they are in that we as parents are kind of milking because they're about to go to school, which we're super bummed about, right? And uh, so, but, but while summer lasts, we certainly wanna, could, we want to spend as much uh, late nights and, and late mornings and uh, just kind of do lots of things that, that you don't generally do during the school year because you've got stuff to do. You get in a certain rhythm, right? This is a certain season where there's a little bit more liberty and freedom in our schedule and, and kind of not just that or when we play, but also how we play and how we do stuff. So my wife had the brilliant idea of bringing some friends over from our like community home group, whatever you guys call them. Um, and and we, they came over, and it was her idea a few weeks ago. They're like, let's just buy shaving cream for everybody and just go crazy. I'm going, you clearly have not thought this all the way through. But I was like, okay, it sounds fun enough. Uh, so so the, the next couple pictures kind of show you what happened. Uh, and they just went crazy. I had my hose. You'll see me in the background just trying to get it out of my yard as much as possible and eventually off of them. But the next picture kind of shows the, the progression of just crazy shaving cream everywhere. And, and maybe, yeah, there it is. Those, those are actually my two sons. That was about five minutes in. That's Graham on the, the left, the taller one, eight years old. And that's Cooper on the right. Um, and, uh, and so a couple more. And I don't know if we got Ryan, but she was in, covered. And, and it was just, it went crazy. It didn't project like we hoped it would. Uh, so they, they just kind of filled their hands and like slapped in the face and like got over their bodies and like gave big like bear hugs. And, and it, it was just an all out shaving cream war. As a matter of fact, I read something in the bulletin. You guys might have something like that on the horizon, students. Uh, some kind of, are you Lee? Okay, I just, I read about you. So yeah, quick, quick shameless plug. I'll, I'll collect the check later for that. But, um, but you guys might, evidently part of your event might be some of that. So this was a crazy time for us. And, and I show you these pictures. A, to just again, kind of give you a better picture of my, of my, my family. But B, here's, here's the image that I want in, in our head for the next few minutes is they, my, my children and our friends' kids, they experienced a level of freedom and craziness that, that they generally don't. This is a special season. And, and, and here's my question to us as we, we're about to start Galatians. I'm getting antsy. I'm ready to read Galatians 5. I know you are too. But as we read this, here's what I want us to ask. Here's what I'm asking as I read this. Are you enjoying the, the freedom found in Christ? Are you enjoying the freedom found in Christ? That, that sounds simple, but it's really loaded. Are you enjoying the freedom found in, found in Christ. So if you have your Bible, 
Uh, turn to Galatians 5, and, and just as you're going there, you're probably there. Um, this has is, this is encouraged me as I study, prepare to, to, to communicate this. I read something by Martin Luther who said, Our conscience must be trained to fall back on the freedom purchased for us by Christ. Isn't that good? Our conscience must be trained and reminded, he would agree, to fall back on the freedom purchased for us in Christ. Meaning... We're not living it. He died. He gave his life for it. We should talk about it, admonish each other, encourage even uh, kind of to make sure that we are milking this thing for all it's worth, get everything he hoped we would get out of it, that we would be uh, co-trainers here today as we fall back on the freedom purchased um, in Christ. So Galatians 5, um, verse 1 through 5, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's on the front of your bulletin. He goes on, Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, this is very topical uh, in that time, it was a huge issue, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he's repeating himself, that's important, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. If you make such a big deal about this, then you know what? Sign yourself up for all of them. Those are strong words. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith. He's saying that's wrong. Verse 5 is right. Through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. The songs we just sang were perfect. I had the privilege of knowing what I was going to say. You didn't. Trust me, everything we sang are like pillars for this message because it's all in the Bible. This is the first, what I would call, movement in Galatians chapter 5. This is the reality. This is the reality that Paul is saying, you are no longer a slave. You're no longer, if you've ever seen a yoke, a thing that, that traps two animals in pulling something together. You're a slave to wherever the farmer wants to, to put a line in the dirt. And you're no, that, that thing's been taken off of you, so no longer enslave yourself to the yoke of sin. And so this is what I would say, our freedom requires his curse. Here's what this means. This means that the reality, the situation is this. God is perfect, right? God is holy. God is, God is absolutely flawless. For even to, to use those words doesn't quite cut it. God is perfect. Second step of this whole reality, this issue, is that we are very much not. You are very much not perfect. Even whenever we feel like we had a really good day, if we step back, we go, oh yeah. We are not perfect. We, in matter of fact, what comes most naturally to us is to rebel against the law and the order of God. If you don't believe that, then this is for you. If you believe that, you're shaking your head going, yeah, I've felt that. I've tried and I've failed and I've tried and I've failed. And Christ is going, I know he's perfect. There is a standard you could never meet. So what happens? The reality is, is that God is holy and clean. We are imperfect and, and dirty and always will be that way. And then Jesus, right? This is the story of the gospel. This is nothing new yet. I'm just setting the stage like Paul is. There's nothing new yet, but this is the situation that Christ became our propitiation or our substitution, that God being holy, us being dirty, God became anger and his wrath had to go somewhere. And for those who don't repent and accept what Jesus did, his wrath goes to those, unfortunately. That's a really hard message, but this message is about freedom. So for those of us who have trusted in him, God's wrath goes to Jesus. And Jesus, being God, was able to endure the wrath of God, making him able to rise from the grave, and, and he goes to heaven. Okay, This is the reality right now. 
Jesus, having been uh, crucified on the cross, died for our sins. There is now an offering. He extends his death for our sin. We know in Scripture, wherever there is sin, there must be death. Jesus goes, I'll be that death. And I can be the death for everybody because I lived a perfect life, died a perfect death. He extends an offer. So for those of us who have accepted that offer, like the people Paul is talking to, he's going, you've accepted his offer. You've been set free from the yoke, the, the burden of sin. Why in the world would you put that back on you? But this thing called circumcision, if, you don't, if you're not circumcised, you're not saved. So this is the reality that Christ offers his sacrifice. He becomes the curse. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this, says it this way. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, it's a natural birth, uh, and under the law, being a, a fully human and fully man, which blows our minds, uh, under the law, to redeem those under the law, he related, became like us, so that he could save us. Um, born under the law, again, verse, verse 5, to redeem those under the law, that's us, that we might receive adoptions as what? Sons, or adoptions to sonship. That word son is how finished today, by the way. Spoiler alert. That word son is directly against this idea of slave. So Jesus sets the stage by being the death for our sin. His perfection, God's perfection, is appeased by Christ's perfection, and his righteousness becomes ours. And so here's the picture. Here's the picture. is a man enslaved. A man, we'll call it, we'll say a prisoner. In a prison cell, a, a stranger opens the door and says, you've been excused. I'm going to pay your penalty. He walks in by you, and you obviously walk out. You take advantage of this before he changes his mind. The warden said, you're free. You step out of the cell, and here's the picture right now in Galatians. You slide your back down the front of the cell bars, and you just sit there. You're on the other side, and you're free But if you read carefully the first verse in Galatians chapter 5, if you just read your bulletin, there's two parts. There's two parts. It says, for freedom Christ has set you free. We'll just stop there. For freedom Christ has set you apart. There's an A and there's a B. That's like giving someone a bicycle and them going, cool, a bicycle. I love bicycles. I've read about them. I'm going to show my friends. And then they just set it down against the wall and go do other stuff. And you're going, hold on, it's for bike riding that I gave you this bike. A prisoner outside of the cell going, I'm free. And the, the guy that walks by paying the penalty goes, no, go live and go, go experience freedom. And this is where we pick up the second half of our experience uh, of freedom in Christ. So that's the stage. That's the reality that we are free in Christ, but for the purpose of what? For the purpose of freedom. What does that mean? I think as we keep reading, we see a couple things. Second movement, that's the reality. Here's the responsibility. In, in Galatians 5, 13 through 21, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is filled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Have you been there? Drama. That's a big deal. Verse 16 says, For I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. This is for those of us who aren't quite obeying God and His laws and His rules and fulfilling the responsibility that we have as free people. He he finishes verse 17. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and he lists some, some sin 
uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's obviously, he's lashing out on this church that he invested very deeply in. Paul was, was, was not strangers to this group, and they're not obeying scripture. And they're, uh, they're, they're, they're seeing some fruits. We'll, we'll get to the fruit of the Spirit here in just a couple verses. But Paul first takes some time and addresses, here's the fruit of evil. Here's the fruit of disobedience. Because here's the second movement of us being free, is that we are still required to obey. And here's what I believe about freedom, that freedom leads to true obedience. That if we really realize what we're free from, the first step we have is obedience. That seems contradictory, doesn't it? You're like, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. And there's something really tricky about this idea of God giving us grace, but then desiring obedience. But God is up to something that freedom will lead to true obedience. Uh, Luther says this, Martin Luther, it is not from works that we are set free. I love this, by faith in Christ, but from the belief in works. Let me read that one more time. It is not from works that we are set free by the faith in Christ, but from the belief in works. Do you realize how different those two things are? Meaning, implication, you should obey the law. Jesus comes on the scene, and he does some stuff that we'll see here in just a minute, and it looks like he's breaking and abolishing the law. He says it himself. I'm not abolishing it. I actually came to complete it. Jesus represents the law for not what it's written, but what it was intended to do in the heart of of men, right? He said, it's, it's not that you murder somebody, it's that you hate them. He's like, forget murder. I, I'm, I'm worried about and I'm, I'm looking at your heart. So anytime Jesus like bends the law, he knows what he's doing. But he still is there to fulfill the law. Here's the implication. As free believers, we obey every single word Jesus says. We obey every, every single uh, truth that, that we see represented in Scripture. Every single one. You're going, that sounds a lot like that yoke that I thought you were freed from. No, no, no. No, we're freed from the burden of sin. We're freed from the belief in works. But we're not, nor should a free Christian desire to be free from works. But here's the two risks. So it seems kind of contradictory. You give me all this freedom and grace, but you still desire and expect even good deeds and works from me, right? A truly free believer understands the balance, but here's kind of the dangers. There's two risks that, that God, and I think it's funny that we say that Jesus risks something because he, he's God, right? But it's funny. There seems to be two things on either side, two ditches on the side of the road, if you will. One side is legalism, okay? Legalism. Jesus experienced this uh, in Matthew 11 and 12. I love this story. Um, it's actually the end of 11 and the beginning of 12, and they are labeled differently in your Bible. But it's really interesting. Jesus just happens to address legalism as he's inviting other people to follow him. I say happen to, that's I'm being facetious. Like Jesus doesn't happen to do anything. If you were to follow Jesus, you'd be waiting on the lesson of the day, right? I mentioned something to Graham just the other day. I didn't tell you this. And, and I, I was like, well, you don't, you shut the door because I don't want to air condition the whole house. And here's how it works. And, and the machine runs like this. And the, the thermostat does this. I'm like teaching him this. He's like eight. He's going, uh, like, I don't even care right now. Okay, I'll shut the door. But what's this? And he goes, is this our lesson for the day? And I went, oh my gosh. Like, I, I always try to teach him. And I thought I was like kind of playing it cool. And obviously not. He's totally on to me. And I think Jesus 
following him would have been a lot like that, going, okay, here we go. You know, he's, he's obviously doing something. He can't ever just have a conversation. He's always got to teach me something. You ever, you have people like that? Well, Jesus is allowed to do that with us. And he didn't just happen to address legalism when inviting people to follow him. Check out what he says. End of 11, verse to 12, he says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Real, real quick, he mentions the word yoke. But just read it one more time with me and, and, and imagine the difference. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It sounds a little bit under the umbrella of freedom, doesn't it? Verse 30, for my yoke is easy, and my burden, the load that you carry when you follow me, my doctrine, my teaching is light. It's bearable. Verse 1, chapter 12 says, at that time Jesus went through the grain fields out on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads off grains and eat them. When the Pharisee, the legalist, the obligatory followers of the law saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful. Uh, uh, Police, uh, they're doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. We're here to catch you. Citizens arrest. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? In the Old Testament, He entered the house of God. He and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. For the Son of Man, and I'm skipping a couple verses here because he just expounds on that story, and he finishes his little confrontation with the Pharisees by saying, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Interpretation, I do what I want. Like, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that set up the law. So who are you to tell me how I can bend it and use it? Uh, other, word, other places in Scripture, I think it's mentioned two different times, that, that, that the law is not for man, or the man, man is not for law, law is for man. Okay, catch that, catch the difference. Man is not for law. Man was not created to, to exist and to live by these set of, of, of rules. But rather, for his heart toward man, God created a set of what we'll call them rules for the benefit of man and for the glory of God. Jesus is going, I made the rules. You can't tell me what what the end purpose is to be and how I can use it. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I do what I want. Jesus is addressing legalism. And here's what I think, and as I prayed about this and thought about this, as I looked in the mirror and said, is this me? Because legalism on this, remember the ditches on the side of the road is what we're talking about. Legalism on this side, that means you hold too tightly to that said law God has freed me from so much, but, but man, I'm required to obey the law. I'm required to do what it says. And if you're careful, you'll notice a judgmental spirit in your heart. And because you hold so tightly to the law, you will see other people breaking the law. This would be like someone professing to be a believer, but not drinking Starbucks. Okay? That's a joke. This would be like a believer saying, I love Jesus, man. I, I spend time with him daily. And they're holding like a Whataburger coffee cup. Like, I would be like, hold on. Is there sin in your life? Like, can I counsel you or encourage you? Okay, this is, Paul is dealing with a culture who is all about circumcision. They're dealing with this influx of Gentiles here in the gospel and getting saved. But they can't put up with this idea that they're not following all the customs of Jewish tradition, of the people of God. And they're having to work on some grace. They've been shown grace by God, a ton of grace. As the people of God, they've been shown way more grace than any Gentile will ever need. Do you know what I'm saying? 
God said, you're my people, and I'm going to have to put up with you uh, regardless of how you act, because I'm going to be faithful to you. Have you read the Old Testament? Have you seen that, that cycle? God's faithful, they repent, and they war against him. They repent, God's faithful, and they war. I mean, it's a cycle. God has shown the people of God, the, the Jewish people of God, so much grace, but they refuse to show it, because they really don't believe who Jesus is and what they've been freed from. A, a, a believer who's truly been set free practices grace, lets people off the hook, loves them in spite of the fact that they don't drink Starbucks, okay? Circumcision, they had to go, just because you're not circumcised, I'm going to believe it, that Jesus is doing something in your life. Paul's going, I'm not preaching circumcision, I'm preaching Jesus. Uh, legalism holding too tightly to the law, it, it's an indication that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough for you, if you're honest, you would have to look in the mirror and go, I would have to look in the mirror and go, was Jesus' sacrifice enough? And if it was, I've got to chill. And I've got to follow the law with, with, with joy and, and understand that it's wisdom. On the other side is, is what's, what's called licentiousness, okay? And that is letting go of the law, letting it fly away like a bird and being like, Psh, I'm accepted. I'm part of the family. Any of you guys have kids and they don't listen to you? Okay, do you have staff? Any of you like oversee staff? Your staff listens far better than your kids. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Your staff listens better than your kids because they have something to lose. Your kids know if, you know, if we've created healthy family environments, you're not going anywhere. You can't. It's, it's, there's, there's organizations that will track you down, right? And they know that, that they can't go anywhere, right? They, they don't have anything to lose. I'm going to disobey you. I'm going to rage against you. I'm going to rebel against you if you... We, we've experienced that just recently. Um, and, and they know, really, because if they think about it, what are they really going to do, right? And there's discipline for sure. There's discipline. At the, even after that, I mean, we're going to go back to stuff. And, and as they get older, they'll mature through that. Praise Jesus. But right now, it's this idea, because I, I think they've gotten the concept that, that mom and dad are mom and dad, and, and we're the kids, and this is our home, and that's my room, and that's my fridge, and that's my food in the fridge. And we're going, okay, we'll let you think that. That's fine. Because they don't have anything to lose. Here's, here's what licentiousness does. Indulgence. It means that you're a believer, but you have a fake freedom. That you sense this, this idea that, that you've been accepted. Because either you, you obey be, to get acceptance, which is legalism, right? Or you obey, or you, you obey because you've been acceptance. And, and the taking too far of that means, why obey? God's going to be God. His forgiveness is always there. And we exploit the blood of Jesus. We don't take seriously the commands and, and the truths of God, and we don't obey like a truly free believer does. We, we believe because of what it cost him. We believe and we obey because of the fact that he accepted us. Another song we sang, saying that, uh, man, he doesn't treat us like we deserve. That's why I obey. I'm grateful. There is a life debt, in a way, that I have toward Jesus. There is a life debt that I have toward Jesus. That's why I obey. That's the middle of the road. Not when I obey, when it's convenient, when I kind of agree. Because here's the deal. I'll just mess up and I'll ask for forgiveness. No, I take the, the and I say I. A, a truly free believer takes the commands of God seriously. That's the second movement in Galatians. There is a responsibility to obey. And I thought I was done, but here's where it lands in that, in that movement. He changes our heart, right? Here's what I love. How do we do that? He changes our hearts so that obedience is two things. It's, it's wisdom. It's, you know what? You changed my mind. The renewing of my mind. Ultimately, Jesus' words are wisdom. 
That's why I obey. Another reason I obey is it's my joy because of what all he's done for me. So this yoke of obedience is not a yoke anymore. This burden, it's not a heavy load to carry. It's my privilege as a free believer, being set free from what I know I'm free from, to obey. Because it's my responsibility, but it's my privilege. The last thing as we finish that chapter 5, this is the reward. So there's the reality Jesus offers uh, life, and we are set free on the other side of the bars. Then there's the responsibility once we're a free person to actually still obey the rules, the laws, because they are for our good and for his glory. And I love what comes after. This is what I said I have to finish once I get started. This is the reward. that A truly free believer experiences the reward of God's protection and his blessing. When we obey, we experience God's protection and his blessing. And, and to put it a different way, that true freedom follows obedience. Here's why I say true. Okay, this world, it promotes, it endorses, it sells, and our flesh desires a, a certain freedom. Here's how we define freedom. Our flesh in this world that we're surrounded by as we try to honor and follow Jesus, our flesh in the world says that freedom is this. Freedom is doing what I want, when I can, regardless of the consequences. And here's the deal. I don't have to go much further until some of you guys realize, okay, I've experienced that. And maybe if you haven't personally, and maybe just maybe the Lord will give you the wisdom enough to learn from the people around you. And I'm, I'm mainly speaking to you guys here, uh, younger, not young, because you're like adults. You're like ready to lead this planet and stuff. But, but you're, so not young, but younger, right? Maybe you'll learn from the, the from the the issues, we'll call them issues, because at this point we'll see them as consequences of, of sin. But most of us have either directly, personally experienced the consequences of sin. Not, not unfortunate circumstances, not accidents, but of sin, disobedience to God's word, his ways. And you realize that, hold on, this whole uh, perception, this whole, uh, I drink Kool-Aid of what this world says and what my desires are to have freedom, it kind of sounds like YOLO a little bit. It kind of sounds like, look out for number one. It kind of sounds like, uh, man, I'm young, live it up now. It kind of sounds like, take advantage of this opportunity, but with little to no regard of the consequences. Jesus, if you compare side by side, if you compare the the list of things that Jesus is going, look, this isn't a list of rules. I just want to protect your heart. But if you take those lists of rules and you put them side by side with that mindset of the world and our flesh, who wins? The world wins. It's shinier. It's a lot shinier. It looks more fun until what? Until the next weekend, right? It looks more fun until, until the next morning. It looks more fun until you have to pay for it. It looks more fun until you've got to deal with the relational ramifications of your actions with the people that you love. If you put them side by side, it's unfair. And Jesus, uh, somewhere in Matthew, I forget where, but he says that, that wisdom is proven by her fruit. Here's what that means. That means that uh, you plant something, someone goes, what is that? Well, it was planted before me, I'm not sure. Well, what do you have to do? You have to wait for it to grow. You have to, keyword, wait. Jesus is saying, look, if you obey me, and you trust me, and you wait, this is going to look really bad at the end. But if you follow me, if you obey me, if you find joy in in obedience, the freedom and the grace that I give you to to obey or disobey, and you choose wisely and obey, you're going to experience the reward of obedience. And that's freedom. That's freedom. I chose a wife uh, partially. I say partially because I was way too young. We were high school sweethearts. 
Um, and, and this woman up here, like she loves Jesus and she can sing and she can lead worship. And that's my wife. I'm blessed. She is a reward of me attempting, trying as best I can as a 16-year-old guy. That's the exception, by the way. You, you'll probably never get married. Your parents are in here going, don't encourage them. They're only 16. They're, they're dating somebody right now. We are the exception. And I tell every student that I talk to that. But man, there were some guidelines that she had for a husband. And there were some guidelines based on scripture that I had for a wife. And the reward of those things far exceeds the kinds of people and the kinds of dates that some of my friends were looking for in high school and in college and even grown. They want the shiny. They want the thing that, that looks like, man, live my best, uh, funnest life right now. In, in disobedience to Scripture, it looks better. But the flip side, man, there's, there's shame, isn't there? There's guilt. Jesus is going, a free believer experiences true freedom by obedience. We're given grace so we can obey. So we can experience the, the beautiful freeing reward of obedience. And I love how Paul ends this. He, he talks about the, the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 22 says, but the fruit, the proof of life, the proof of obedience to Jesus is this. That it's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love this line. This is bolded. Uh, also on the screen, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and his passion and desires. Since we live by not our strength, but by the Spirit, let us keep in step with him, the Spirit. Verse 26, he ends the entire chapter like this. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. And he ends it in an us relational kind of way. Because true freedom flows from obedience. That, that line against such things, there are no law. Anybody ever driven past a cop going more than five over? What are you doing? You're looking for the quickest like, like road like in a neighborhood to like just hide for a second, right? Am I the only one? I'm not the only one. I know that. Okay? I know that about you and I know that about me, that this is like deeply rooted in our nature, right? It's to go faster if we're in a hurry. And the second we see a cop, someone that's going to enforce the law that we are breaking, we, we, we get a sense of guilt, right? And it's shame when we have to tell our wife about it and say, I've got to pay for this ticket. Where's that at in the budget? Is that in there? Because she budget for that, my chance. She's like, nope, never did. We check our mirrors. We look behind us. We're looking over our shoulder. That's what sin does. And a true believer, man, I love this about God and his law. It seems restricting, but it's for our own good. And it's for his glory because people see our lives. Have you ever gotten a ticket? Let's, let's take tickets. That's a horrible example because true believers still get tickets. But that, that's a small picture of a much bigger, larger thing, right? Whenever we sin and break God's law, it's so much fun. Man, it, it's, it's, I'm going to impress the people next to me. I, I'm going to make everybody th- think that I'm, I'm like this. It's going to make me feel how I want. And then... It's followed by the consequence of that sin. And there's guilt and there's shame. And Jesus is saying, I care about your heart. I don't want you to feel the guilt of that shame. That list that he, that he read in the middle there under responsibility, the list of the, the proof of life of evil, no one in this room would be proud of those things. We would be ashamed of those things. That's, that's what Jesus wants to free us from. So I, Wherever you're at with that, I mean, that's, that's the heart. It's not restricting. It's freeing because there's no guilt. There's no shame. Um, we were talking about this earlier in the green room. My kids mentioned something about dead squirrels because we were talking about dead animals. And um, So Ryan was about to tell 
um, I forget who you were talking to. Uh, tell them the story. I was like, wait, you're going to hear something about this. Here's what I do, and this is going to gross some of you out. You need to deal with me, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best with what I got as a dad here. Uh, when I see a dead squirrel on the road, squished, dead squirrel, um, I will stop my car, and I'll roll down my kid's windows, and I'll let the other one unbuckle. I'll put it in park and be like, everybody look at that squirrel. That's gross, right? How painful do you think that was? Yeah, it's kind of, and this is morbid. I'll give it to you, right? God's a much better teacher than this. I'm just making the best out of what I've got, right? So I, I see a dead squirrel. I see, I see an opportunity to teach my kids. Here's what I want from them. I, I show them that, and I say, obey me in this. And this is what we do. We put our arms out, and we look. We do this just so they'll force them to look left and right. Sometimes they use those arms as wings, and they're like flying through the street. It's like they haven't quite gotten it, but they're learning. I'll do this as I walk through, the, and I've already looked, and I'll look behind me, and they're doing this. I'm going, okay, they're getting it. But sometimes, like I said, they're wings, and they're like literally flying. And, and, and cars are dangerous. I'm teaching them cars are dangerous. You've got to look both ways. And, and having to look in the road instead of just running in the road is so restricting. And it's, you're, you're, you're cutting off my freedom as a kid. And I want to be a kid and I want to live YOLO. They don't say that because they're too young. But, but they're trying to just live their life. Quit restricting me with all these laws. And I showed them the squirrel. And I'm like, that's, that's why you look both ways. Because here's what I want for them. <laughs> I know. I need to find a different way. I need to find a different way. But here's what I want from them. I want them to continue making forts. I want them to continue building Legos. I want them to continue playing with lightsabers in their underwear. Like, I, I want them to continue living life to the full. Are you following me? And in order to do that, they have to survive today as we play in the front yard and, and, and our ball goes rolling in the street. It's like we might lose the ball because I have to listen to my dad. They'll literally go on to enjoy life. Jesus is saying it might look restricting. Why would a, why would a free believer obey God's laws for the, the, the flip side of that obedience, which is the reward? Man, God gives us protection and blessing when we obey. That's a truly free believer. We don't exploit God's grace and not obey. We don't hold so tightly because we're the judge. No, no, no. We've been shown grace, so we show grace, and we obey because of the life that we have. And man, we experience God's wonderful, beautiful freedom in response to that. Um, I mentioned earlier that my wife's uh, favorite holiday was 4th of July. Um, and uh, two, two years ago, we were on a mission trip in Romania, and we had go during the 4th of July. She was kind of bummed. She, you know, got over it because we're like sharing Jesus with people, right? She had to play the God card. She's like, what about fried chicken? And I was like, what about Jesus, right? Like, what are you going to do? Like, people need to hear about it. So we, we went, um, and here's the deal. I, I'm not a huge, like, patriot. I love America, and, you know, I, I'll defend America to, to a degree and all those good things, and this isn't the time or the place, but I love America, America. Like, I love bacon and trucks and all that good stuff. Uh, enough as, as much as the next guy, but I loved America even more when I was in Romania in a, in a not-so-distant, you know, future. They were a communist country, and they're learning what it means to kind of be free, not nearly as, as healthy or democratic as America. And so I remember in, on the 4th of July, on the other part of the world, going, America's pretty great, man. Like, I love the freedom and all of the things that come with our, our, our freedom as a country. And so you can't really appreciate America without very, very quickly going to this idea that freedom isn't free. That the freedom I love, the democracy I love, uh, man, the, what we experienced did not come, uh, you know, it wasn't cheap, um, you know, certainly was not free. And so for me, 
in another part of the world, uh, appreciating and celebrating my freedom back home. Uh, I, had to, I had to think more deeply about the sacrifices it costs for me to have that freedom. And so for me, this is where this message lands. It begins with Jesus dying on the cross and setting the reality in front of us, getting us outside of the bar doors to then go and live freely, right? It starts with Jesus, and I think this ends with Jesus. This ends with this idea that if we love our freedom and enjoy it so much that we never, ever, ever, ever forget what it cost him to give it to us. And so it's different than Independence Day, because let's be honest, we don't have spiritual freedom because of anything we've done. There's no trailblazers. There's no journeyman here that discovered this thing. He started it, and he paid for it, and he finished it. This is not Independence Day. This is Dependence Day when we celebrate our freedom because we are dependent on, completely dependent on the sacrifice of Jesus. Completely dependent on the sacrifice of Jesus. One more thing before I read John 8 and wrap this up is, is we've met four people as we've looked through Galatians. Okay, They are the slave, they are the Pharisee, the indulgent, and the son. The slave would say the cross was unnecessary. The Pharisee would say that the cross wasn't enough, that I've still got to add good things in order to pay for or actually look better in heaven maybe. I don't know, I've got to add the cross wasn't enough. The indulgent is, is maybe you're liberal with, with some of the commands of God. I don't know. And that person, with their actions, would say that the cross wasn't as much for me. Like, I didn't, I didn't crucify Jesus, even though the Bible tells us that our sin crucified him, right? We're guilty. So when I look at America and I go, man, I kind of like America. But here's the deal. I was born here. I didn't, like, move here because I was oppressed, Here's how it's different to our spiritual reality. We are guilty for our bondage. The cell that we walked out of, we deserve to be in. So it's cool that, that we got let out. That's all gravy, right? But, but if we were like born in that cell, and you're going, I didn't do a thing to get in here. I appreciate his, his setting me free to a degree. That's not our case. We committed the acts necessary to deserve to be in that cell. That makes freedom a whole lot more attractive, that makes our freedom a whole lot more costly. That means that I obey with joy every single word that drips from God. And, and then on the flip side, not for this reason, but on the flip side, I trust that he's going to protect and bless me. Man, that's freedom because I don't have guilt or shame. That's freedom. The last person that we meet in this study of Galatians chapter 5 is the son Man, I think, I think the son obeys best. He might hold the law too loose sometimes because he knows he's accepted. But that is a that God is willing to take for his kids to know that they are unconditionally loved and given freedom to seasonally have shaving cream wars and kind of go crazy, right? All within the confines of parents being around. And that's where, how do we, how do, we do all this? We, we stick close to him. He will show us crazy uh, blessing in times of, of protection. And it'll also, also kind of point our heart back to what we feel like is more strict obedience at times for our own good. So how do our kids know when to have shaving cream wars in the front yard? They stick with us. They trust us. Trust that, that they were set free, not to be set free, but they were set free for freedom. 
Are you sitting on the other side of the bars? Are, are you in the world but disobeying? Are, are, you, are, you, um, are you experiencing the shame or the guilt that comes with disobedience? If so, there's an element of spiritual freedom that, that hasn't quite clicked, and God, God's heart breaks for that because it costs his son a whole lot. And he wants you to get every single ounce of the reward um, when we obey with joy and we follow him in freedom. Let me read this, and um, Ryan and the band's going to sing one more song. John 8, 31 through 36 says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold my teachings, you are my real disciples. If you love me, you'll obey me, he says. Which sounds like a yoke, but we know it's a joy, right? 32, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied to them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Only a son, only a daughter, enjoys the freedom of Christ. Stick with him. He'll show you blessing. He'll show you obedience. Ultimately, freedom. Let me pray for you.